I remember there was a saying that Warren Buffett used to say, it's like when you lose $5, you're not just losing $5, you're losing all the future earning potential of that $5. And what the Patels and even Nathan Berry are hitting on with trying to avoid lifestyle inflation is you're taking that $5 or the amount that you'd otherwise add to your lifestyle and you're taking advantage of all the future earning potential. You're reinvesting it and growing your asset base. I'm Jim Huffman, and this is If I Was Starting Today, a collection of conversations about half-baked startup ideas, growth tactics, and stories from founders, including my own journey as a business owner. All of the content is centered around one question. What would you do if you were starting today? All right, Jonathan, welcome. We are back for another iconic read. Happy to have you. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. Looking forward to discussing this amazing uh, blog post for today. All right. So I think we're sticking with the theme of iconic reads. We have no alternative, so we'll, we'll keep rolling with it. So today we are doing a blog post. This is another one that I read it. And afterwards, you're like stopped in your tracks. You're like, that was the best thing I've read all year, month. And then you need to reread it five times to truly process it. And it is the blog post. Let me pull up the exact title. The Ladders of Wealth Creation, A Step-by-Step Roadmap to Building Wealth by Nathan Berry. So before we even dive into that, let's talk about who is Nathan Berry, because he actually has a lot of different hats that he wears. So he's obviously the CEO of ConvertKit. It's an email tool for content creators that's doing over $20 million in revenue. And I believe he owns 90% of it. It was essentially bootstrapped. He might have raised a little bit of money. But even before that, he was a product guy, a design guy. I know him actually from the book Authority. And the reason why is when I launched my book, I was like, how the heck do I price this thing if I sell it directly? And my friend Rob Sobers was like, have you read Authority? I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. He's like, read that book. I read the book and it gave me the blueprint on exactly how to price your book. It's like, oh, by the way, do a course. I ended up doing a course. And I made 80% of the revenue from that course based off the tip from Nathan Berry. So you could say Nathan's kind of an internet all-star uh, in, in my mind. But, but how do you know Nathan? Yeah, it's similar, actually. I was launching a Ruby on Rails course at around that time as well. And I used to study his product launches. He used to write these amazing sales scripts and just a whole timed release and just the way he used to build up psychology. I'm sorry, how he used to build up scarcity and anticipation around his releases was quite interesting. So I used to study him. And I know many marketers actually who just like got fascinated and interested in marketing, just reading his blogs and just watching the way he was doing his launches. But that was my first introduction to him. But then obviously I've seen Nathan Berry scale and grow as an entrepreneur from launching courses on design, iOS design courses and authority, as you just mentioned to scaling ConvertKit from 2,500 a month to, I don't know, even like 1.5 million a month right now or something even greater than that. So it's been interesting to watch. That's essentially how I came to know him. Yeah, it's impressive. And the dude's under 35. He's just a machine. And so really impressive. So this blog post, let's talk about it. What are the main takeaways from it? So first and foremost, I love a good graphic, a good illustration. If you want to do the TLDR, the, the cliff notes, just go to the blog post and pull up the graphic because it says 75% of what you need to know. There's a lot written that you definitely should read. But if you want the short version, go to the graphic. And here's what it is. 
it is a, a visual of four ladders in ascending order. And it basically says every career starts at the bottom left and works its way up and to the right to different ladders. The higher you climb, the bigger the ladder, the bigger your wealth. So there's four ladders. On the left, you've got time for money, right? So that's like you have a salary job. You could then jump to the next ladder, which is you own a service business. And so maybe you have a design agency. And then the third ladder is productized services. We're actually doing a fixed scope for a fixed price, right? So you could be selling four edited videos per month for $1,000. And then the final ladder is when you can finally ladder up to the idea of selling products, digital products, physical products, or software products. And he talks about the different layers within it. But those, that's kind of the main takeaway in my mind is the graphic and showing these ladders. What do you have? It fascinates me is when I was when I first saw that visual, it reminded me of the rich dad, poor dad quadrant. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's a similar concept where you have these quadrants uh, that represent different earning potential. So an employee, a business owner, an investor and things like that. And what he's done with these four ladders is try to represent four different earning potentials. Each ladder has a different earning potential. If you want to be on the Forbes 400 list, for example, then you better be on the far right ladder, which, has, which is where you're selling products. The, uh, your time for money is not correlated in any way. You can literally earn money while you're sleeping. So this is, I think, a, a very neat take on that old idea of just if, depending on what you're trying to achieve, you better make sure that your ladder's leaning against the right wall and you're uh, essentially thinking hard and working smart to get to where you want to. But yeah, I just really like the way he kind of redid that old concept. Yeah, that's a great comp with that graphic. We'll, we'll come back to this graphic for things that I would change. I have some big ideas for how we can make this graphic better, but we'll get to that. The other big takeaway is this idea of to really build wealth, it's actually building a skill in wealth, which is something you don't really think about. Like, oh, let me fine tune my wealth building skills. But when he puts it that way, wow, that's really smart. And he literally lists out the skills that you could be obtaining to build wealth. And then an, my kind of final takeaway is investing your money, investing your time in things that are wealth creation, whether that's actually things that accumulate wealth or investing time in things that give you those skills. And I think this idea of compounded interest, compounded gains is something that's subtly mentioned in this, but it really changed the way I think about my business. And what's funny is when he lays out this path of wealth creation, I was like, wow, he literally nailed what I'm doing or trying to do without even being that intentional with it. But for me, it kind of blew my mind. Yeah. And then I think my final takeaway as well is just the the other visual actually on the blog post, which is like further down the page where he shows the unique shapes of increasing income. Most people are familiar with the idea of a stair step way of increasing your income. You get a promotion or you got a, you get a raise and your income slightly gets like increases over time. And like over a 30, 40, 50 year career, you see the gradual increase. And then you have more of a linear approach. Like let's say you own a service business, you add clients, and over time, you have that linear increase of income. And I think the one that obviously, like most people see people suddenly becoming billionaires overnight or building a very popular product is where the income is exponential. Like you build a product that maybe gets very slow engagement and adoption at first, but over time, 
the growth on that is very exponential. And that's essentially what Nathan Berry did with his SaaS business, where initially you couldn't get any traction, but over time, the growth is very exponential. So that, that that model of showing how income grows over time is quite fascinating. Yeah, that exponential graph will make you want to quit everything you're doing and start a software company real quick. At least that was my knee-jerk reaction. Yeah. All right, let's get to the best quote. So I'm going to start with, the last sentence of the entire blog post, because that is kind of his mic drop moment. So he says, building wealth is a skill, a skill anyone can master given enough time and a relentless desire to learn and work hard. Boom. It's just, it's pretty powerful right there. All right, what do you have? Do you have a, a memorable quote? I'm actually going to cheat a little bit on this one, Jim. I couldn't find the best quote, but I found the best section of the entire blog. And that was the case study at the bottom where he goes over the Patel, the motel cartel. Uh, I've read about this in the past. And there's this book in the past called Dando Investor, D-H-A-N-D-O Investor. I don't know how I came across it, but the guy is an avid follower of Warren Buffett. And he tells the story of how these immigrants in the late 70s came to the U.S. and came to dominate the U.S. motel business. And essentially, he takes, uh, Nathan Berry in this case, takes his example and tries to weave it in with the that story. And that was very fascinating to me. I really like the way he retold that. But essentially, just to give you a quick recap, 50% of motels in the US, that's 5-0, are owned by people of Indian origin, especially people that are called Patels. So a very fascinating story about how they use a similar method to how Nathan Berry built his wealth. You know, it's, I had that quote as well, and it said, the Patels own 50% of motels in the U.S. It's not because they're wealthy to start. It's because they always poured money into the next revenue-generating asset, another motel, rather than inflating their lifestyle and buying fancy cars or something. It is such an awesome example. And yeah, I think it links out. I don't know if the Wall Street Journal did a profile on it, but it was, it was really good. I have one that I thought was pretty good, where he says... I hope this has been helpful and inspiring so far because I'm about to hit you with some bad news. While income increases as you move up one ladder, it often decreases when you jump between ladders. And it's so true because this blog post, you're reading it and you're just fired up. You're like, game on. Like, let's keep moving up and making more money. But it is true as you jump from a salaried person to an agency, it could potentially cost you money. Do you jump from an agency to launching a product, launching a SaaS company? It's going to cost you money. And he really talks about you know the playbook of doing that. And you trust him because this is a guy that's literally done everything. So he knows what it takes to go to those next levels of, of wealth creation. Yeah, I'm actually saving that for what I disagree with. There's some parts of that <laughs> that I disagree with. So I definitely didn't include it in the best quote section. Yeah. And then one other one, this one's a, a small one, but it kind of hit home for me. It's looking back, there are so many things that seem easy and intuitive now, such as filing for an LLC with the Secretary of State, but they were daunting to me at the time. And the reason why that one's funny is because I remember when I was starting a company, I had these really dumb blockers in my head. It's like, I got to start a company. Wait, I don't even know. Should this be an S Corp, a C Corp, an LLC? Or like, how do I even do that? And the truth is, it doesn't even matter. You know, you can figure that out with a YouTube video or just ask somebody. But they become these big brick walls in the, along the path of starting something. But the truth is, embrace learning these new skills, going after the unknown, because that's how you unlock this next level of wealth. But that one I thought was pretty funny. Yeah. All right. And then let's see, what other ones? Consistently reinvesting time and money into wealth creation rather than lifestyle inflation. 
can have incredible results if allowed to play out for long enough. Because that's so true. If you can keep your burn rate down and take this money you make and invest it in more wealth, it really leads to kind of that point with the Patels. But yeah, that, that's what I got. Yeah, just to add to, to that last point you made, I remember there was a saying that Warren Buffett used to say, it's like when you lose $5, you're not just losing $5, you're losing all the future earning potential of that $5. And what the Patels and even Nathan Barry are hitting on with trying to avoid lifestyle inflation is you're taking that $5 or the amount that you'd otherwise add to your lifestyle and you're taking advantage of all the future earning potential. You're reinvesting it and growing your asset base. So that's definitely something I agree with. All right. I'll remember that whenever I order, think about ordering the guac at Chipotle. <laughs> Maybe I won't do that. Yeah. Put into my kids' college savings account. This is a section we talk about what do we agree with and what do we disagree with this blog post. So we'll start with what we agree with. First, I love this idea of the new skills you need to acquire based on the rung or the ladder that you need to go to. Because it goes with this idea of what got you here won't get you there, right? You might get to this place because you're a really hard worker and you're great at something. But to go from a worker to a business owner, it's a totally different skill set of delegation and motivation and things like that. And I loved how he laid out the skills you need to continue to go to a different ladder or go up a rung. Yeah. And I think what I agree with most here is using the earlier rung on the ladder to fund the next one. Essentially, like not just the skills and, you know, that conversation you just had, but I think the income from the previous step funding, future ventures. And I think especially for a model like Nathan Berry, where everything is sequential, at least the way he, he represents it. And we, we'll come back to this one, a few of the points that I disagree on, but at least this idea of each step funding the next makes a lot of sense to me. In addition to that, like, Extra time and money needing to be reinvested. That's another big one. We've kind of hit on it with the best quotes, but uh, that definitely resonates a lot. And then each step being easier with an audience. This is something that we've always discussed. And we've seen a lot of people we admire funding their businesses, not only with income from previous steps on the ladder, but then also an audience that always follows them around as like a reliable source of not just feedback and support, but you know, it's, that's the audience that they can always sell into. And that's uh, what Nathan Berry has used to essentially grow from a minor blogger to an owner of a SaaS business. So I'd say these are definitely my two to three big things that I agree with. Now that I had that one in there as well as as far as it, uh, each step being easier with an audience, it is kind of an unfair advantage. Uh, the last thing that I had that I agree with, I think the latter was the right visual, right? Not like a stair step, not some sort of an elevator, not going with skyscrapers. I feel like the ladder's nice. You know, working your way up, you're climbing up the, the, the various levels of wealth. So I think he nailed it with the ladder. I don't know if he was uh, worried about some or other uh, visual, but I think that's the right one. Yeah, I think the best part about that visual is that it shows there's like a limit to each of those ladders, an earning limit. So if you're an employee, there's only 24 hours you can trade in for money. And that's the, that's the top. I think when we get into the more of the selling products, which is the last ladder, uh, where there's potential for exponential income and growth, the ladder metaphor kind of fails at that point. But I think for the first initial, I'd say two to three ladders, it definitely works. Nice. All right, let's go to what we disagree with. I'll start because it kind of hits on what you just said, actually. The last ladder is selling products, but he has digital products, e-commerce products, and software products on the same ladder. And when you look at 
the valuations of a SaaS company versus the valuations of an e-commerce company are very, very different. I feel that something that's technology enabled, like a SaaS company, should actually be its own ladder. So I think there needs to be a fifth ladder. I think when you talk about selling digital and physical products as one ladder and selling software products as a completely separate ladder. Interesting. Yeah, I think most VCs would agree with this because like software, as you just hit on, has like zero marginal cost. The cost of producing the hundredth one and the hundred thousandth one doesn't like there's no difference there, at least for the most part, maybe adding an extra server or something like that. But I think what he's trying to hit on, though, Nathan, is that you reach a point where you build something once or at least a system or a company once and essentially sells the product without your involvement. And this is the point where your the time or the input of your effort is completely separated for the output. And I think that's why he he created this fourth ladder. I think we can get like very, we can go into the details and kind of like break this ladder into smaller bits and pieces. But uh, I think I agree with the the way he set it up for the most part. All right, what do you have? I have a few more, but I want to hear one of yours. What I disagree with actually is moving between ladders often means a decrease in income. And I think Nathan Berry is obviously a little biased because he's looking at it from his experience. This entire post is informed by his experience. But you just have to look through people on the Forbes 400 list, they didn't take the very linear approach that he did. There are many people who just essentially raised money, funding from VCs, and like essentially skipped this entire process of going from earning income, building a services business, building a productized service, and then selling products. They literally jumped straight to, serving, to selling products and then take all the skills they lack and complement it with people who've already done it, been there, done that. And essentially they leap many steps forward. So it doesn't have to be as sequential as Nathan Barry lays it out. You can definitely skip a few steps and there are many examples. So this is more of uh, an approach where if you're being very methodical, you don't have outside funding, you're trying to fund everything out of your own pocket, then I definitely agree with Nathan's approach, but that doesn't always have to be the case for sure. Yeah, I had that one as well, because I actually would have loved to have had a time component to this. Uh, He actually did lay it on his blog post pretty well where he shows his exact path. But one thing, like we're an example of, you know, we're looking to move up into different ladders, but not take a hit at income. And one thing you can do that is, you know, funding it with what you're currently making. You can take a little bit longer so you can build up the cash reserves. But yeah, I don't think whether you're going the VC backed route or you're going the bootstrap route, I don't think you have to take a hit with income. Yeah, I agree 100%. The one that I had, this one, uh, I don't know if you picked up on, but I want to get back to this graphic. The actual graphic, like the idea is so amazing, but if you can't see it, it's literally pencils, it's watercolors, they're like bleeding through the lines. I would have gone the opposite route. Maybe it's because I'm too into my four-year-old's coloring books right now, but I want to see some epic ladders going to the sky. I want to see like a pot of gold, maybe some rainbows. Let's really make it pop. Something that if you share it on social, holy smokes, what is that? I think this blog post could have done 10x the traffic just with the right shareable infographic type of visual to accompany it. That's my comment. I think the latter, I think this is the MVP and we need to see the V1. Yeah, and uh, I actually agree with that point. Uh, This is definitely not drawn to scale. If you're thinking about the earning potential of each of these ladders, they all seem like it's you know, just maybe slightly larger than the next one, than the one previous to it. So that's definitely something I'd correct. But one thing that I definitely disagree with is he says, you can skip ahead, but you will have to learn the lessons from each previous step. 
and again, this goes back to the whole income where the income issue where when you move between ladders, there's often a decrease in income. Uh, these two things go hand in hand where if you're following his methodical, like sequential approach where you're building a business, I'm sorry, you're selling products and then you're productizing it and then you're building a business that sells products. If you're following that model, then maybe, maybe this is right, especially if you're funding it out of pocket and you're relying on your skills. But again, there's so many examples of founders raising money from nothing with just a good idea and relying on a team of competent executives to like complement their lack of skills. So that's, I think, a shortcut that kind of uh, many people have taken in Duffy Works. So I don't think his idea here stands. There are definitely exceptions to it. Wow, picking holes. I like that one. That's pretty strong. You know what we should do? I think we should take our edits. I think we redesign the ladder. We send it to Nathan and uh, we see what happens. How, how do you think that'd go over? I, I think it's a, a no response and uh, we go straight to spam. Yeah, I think it's worth a shot. Uh, no <laughs> downside there. <laughs> it's worth it for sure. This is iconic to me because I love a good playbook. I love a good roadmap. I love it when someone can hold my hand and be like, take step A, B, C, and D, and then you get this outcome. And he does it with a visual and he shows the step-by-step guide and the skills you need to get. I just think it's really thoughtful and I just love how he is handing over his playbook. Yeah, I think what makes this iconic is quite a few things, but it's I've seen the before and after of Nathan Berry. So that actually makes it iconic in its own right. I'm biased, obviously. So I've seen him struggle and debate closing down a convert kit when it was just at 2500 a month. And then now I've seen him scale it to where it is. And just the entire journey and how he's swung from one ladder to another has been very interesting to watch. Another reason why this is iconic is because it reminds me of Rich Dad, Poor Dad. It's a very philosophical take on like wealth building. And I remember the first time I read that book was really a punch in the gut and a very fascinating like take on how one person should build out their career. And this is the same thing I felt here. It's if you're definitely in your world, like just only just trying to optimize on your current ladder, uh, then this is definitely iconic. I think it'll definitely have the same impact it had on me. Yeah, it's also iconic because it is a little bit subtly about the movement of whether it's the FIRE movement, financially independent, retire early, or even the, you know what they do at Tropical MBA, where it's about the entrepreneur, like don't buy the fancy car, keep the rinky-dink entrepreneur mobile and invest in your business, invest in wealth creation because you're playing the long game. Like I love where he talks about the Uber driver he met in Seattle who's working to buy things. And it's like, don't work to buy things, take that money, invest it in wealth creation. So it's definitely kind of, I think, a rallying cry, a little bit, a quiet rallying cry for that argument in, in that team. Yeah, for sure. I agree 100%. I love just to kind of end on why it's iconic, just reiterating wealth is a skill. It's something that you can work on to build up to. Just even that simple frame was was really strong. All right. So who should read this blog post and when should they read this blog post? I have an answer that's a little different. So I want to hear yours first. So I almost said everyone, to be honest with you, because I think literally everyone can get value from something like this. It's very methodical. And it's easy to understand and potentially even follow. But one thing, I think someone who is early in their career, stuck on ladder one, just doing a job, potentially trading time for money and just optimizing for that, like the next raise or the next promotion, will get the most value from this. And then also someone, the other person that comes to mind immediately is 
say someone who's just started a business of their own, taken skills that they're previously getting paid for, but now have their own little small business, essentially. I think those two people would get the most value of something like this. It gives them light at the end of the tunnel, shows them the roadmap, and uh, will potentially completely blow up their paradigm around wealth creation. So those are the two people for sure. Those are very thoughtful answers. But here's who needs to read this. Whenever you're at a party or you're at some sort of conference or gathering and someone asks you, what do you do for a living? It's like, I I don't know why I just dread that question. I'm horrible at answering it. I either do it in two seconds or two hours. And even my wife laughs at me when I start to go down that road. So anyone that's about to ask me that question, I want to like hand them this blog post, but go sit in the corner, read this for 15 minutes. Here's where I met with my ladder and my rung. And, and then they'll get it. That, that's who I want to read this blog post. Do, do you think that's, a, that's an easy ask? Yeah, I think you definitely beat me with this answer. I like your answer better, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> right? Yeah, th- there should be a whole resource guide for when people ask that question to us, just so, yeah, so that people don't have to see me dance around it but um but no ma'am but what else anything else on this one i I feel like this is a definitely an iconic read i think it's a good follow to lazy leadership by andrew wilkinson but yeah definitely one of the favorite blog posts i've seen in the last few years yeah this is definitely the kind of blog post that you bookmark maybe revisit at least once or twice a year if possible and it's just one of those evergreen pieces that will be relevant forever really Uh, i don't see any change to that awesome all right well thanks jonathan Thanks, Jim. Have a good one. Today's episode is brought to you by no one. Yep, we have zero sponsors. I haven't reached out to any companies, nor would I expect a reputable brand to give me money. But I'll give a few plugs. First, I send a weekly newsletter each Thursday featuring five articles or tools that have helped me. You can sign up for these weekly updates at jimwhuffman.com. Second, for anyone running a startup, if you need help growing your business, check out Growth Hit. Growth Hit serves as your external growth team. After working with over 100 startups and generating a quarter billion in sales for clients, Growth Hit has perfected a growth process that's hell-bent on driving ROI through rapid experiments. Plus, you'll get to work with yours truly. So if you want to work with a team that's worked with startups that have been funded by Andreessen Horowitz or featured on Shark Tank, then check out growthhit.com. And finally, I wrote a book called The Growth Marketer's Playbook that takes everything I've learned as a growth mentor for venture-backed startups, and I've distilled it down to 140 pages. So instead of hiring a growth team, save yourself some money, get the book, and you can just do it yourself. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I'd love to hear feedback. I'm on Twitter at Jim W. Huffman.